Alright everybody, welcome to the X Report. I am Raven X and alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I'm very interested to know if he's gonna watch next week's Clash at the Title Paper well, Clash at the Castle WWE pay per view. Mm, I probably won't watch it the day of. I might watch it like this this following day after just to see what happens. Yeah, I feel you on that. I might have to work next Saturday if I'm covering the University of Iowa's football game. So if that's the case, I won't be able to watch because I think the pay-per-view starts at like 3 p.m., something like that. But if I'm free, I'll definitely watch it live. But either way, it will get watched. Speaking of things that's getting watched, a lot of football has been taking place over these past few weeks. And, of course, we're going to talk about it. We're going to look at Deshaun Watson's extended um extended suspension and talk about how far we think the Browns will have to go without him as well as break down the AFC and NFC South moving on to the NBA we're going to do a mini breakdown of this upcoming schedule as well as look at the new teams who have entered the Kevin Durant sweepstakes but before we get to any of that please be sure to check out the xreport.net I repeat the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the x report so without further ado let's go ahead and run through a few nfl roster moves starting off with bucks um tampa buccaneers end up signing defensive lineman carl nassif adding to their d-line depth the titans signed cornerback and former second round pick lonnie johnson jr um i think he he had a pretty solid game this past week against the bucks i don't know if he had a pick but i know he had like at least one pass breakup he looked pretty solid um, my Baltimore Ravens are in line to sign former Chiefs and Raiders wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. It's not great, but it's something. And the biggest news of the week is the Chargers made Derwin James the highest paid safety in NFL history, giving him a four-year $76.4 million extension, averaging out to $19.13 million a year. Ethan, I know we have this conversation a lot because it seems like just about every deal makes somebody the next highest paid. But in your opinion, how do you like this deal for the both the Chargers and Derwin James? Uh, from the Chargers standpoint, I like it a lot simply because you're locking in one of your key playmakers on defense, something that they that they need. I feel like he's the piece that makes their defense go and when he's healthy, in my opinion, he's one of the top five best safeties in the NFL. So to me, I like it for them simply because you keep him there for a long, for um, a handful of years. And for him, I think it's just good because it's like he, they, he kind of with him coming off an of injury this past season. There was a lot of question marks around him because he's always kind of had injury question marks since he's been in the league. And then he come back this past season and he balled out and he had his bag. So I think it's good for him as well. I think it'll be interesting come the time when you have to um, you have to pay Justin Herbert and maybe Nick Bosa. But for the time being, I think it's great on both for both sides. Yeah, I agree. Um. I'll be the first to say I love me some Dermot James. Loved him coming out. I believe that was, what, the 2017-18 draft. And it kind of shocked me that he ended up lasting to the 17th pick when the Chargers got him. 
Um, like you mentioned, though, injuries played a big role, missed about two seasons with ACL injuries. But like you said, when he's been on the field, he's been really effective. So I think that it's a great thing for both sides. One, he gets that financial security. The Chargers, they get another great defensive weapon on their team. But you're right. I mean, it does provide some interesting questions, especially with Justin Herbert's deal coming up soon and with what quarterbacks have been getting lately. You and I kind of talked about Joe Burrow a little bit and how we expect him to just get a blank check. I think the Chargers are probably going to try to do the same thing with Justin Herbert. So it'll be interesting to see how this will all shake out. And talking about things shaking out, for months everyone has agonized on how the Deshaun Watson slash NFL suspension saga will play out and after initially being given six games suspension it has now been increased to 11 games as well as Watson having to provide a five million dollar fine and get treatment from a known professional um he will be returning week 13 when the Browns face the Houston Texans because NFL loves some poetic justice. Following the announcement of the suspension, Watson released a statement saying this, I'm grateful that the disciplinary process has ended and extremely appreciative of the tremendous support I have received throughout my short time with the Browns organization. I apologize once again for any pains this situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. My focus going forward is on working to become the best version of myself on and off the field and supporting my teammates however possible while I'm away from the team. I'm excited about what the future holds for me in Cleveland in other words blah 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 it's over now um so Ethan first things first how do you feel about this new suspension um I still feel like it's a slap on the wrist I think I've stated numerous of times on my show I still definitely feel like it should have been suspended for the whole season um but I think that this is one of those things to where the optics still aren't good because, like, he suspended 11 games. Like, that's a significant amount of time, but I still don't think it's the maximum amount. And I know that these people, these camps out here that are like, everything is alleged, and he, he settled on all of those civil cases. But, like, that civil cases, those aren't, like, the standard ways that you go about committing um judging criminal behavior so I still think he should get a full year I think the only thing is is like if the NF, if they would have given him this from the jump I think it would have been a lot smoother because now you don't have to go through the whole process of um, of appealing and things of that nature like if they would have gave him a lever from jump I think it would have been something that kind of just got washed under the rug in a sense yeah no i feel you from that um yeah i think six games was a major slap in the face um and they had to get increased some form or fashion i'm in agreement with you i don't think 11 games is necessarily enough but i just think at this point it'll probably be something that would just drown on forever and i mean from the brown standpoint i can understand why they're just happy to have it over and at least they know because Jacoby Brissett is a solid backup quarterback but from the league standpoint I feel like if they really wanted to they could have just gave him a year but I guess they just wanted him to take some accountability or at least kiss their butt in a sense to kind of get it to not be a year but 
Either way, I don't have the highest expectations for him when he comes back just because, I mean, it'll still be almost two years since he stepped foot on the NFL field and played a regular season game. So I don't think this year overall is going to be the greatest for the Browns. But I guess just for the sake of, okay, now we know what it is. There's no more agonizing about what's going to take place. And not to say everybody can just move the hell on, but this is, I think, as close as we're going to get to it unless, God forbid, he gets in trouble for doing the same stuff again. But time will tell. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Brown slate of the first 11 games, and we are going to say what we think their record is going to be. So starting off at the Carolina Panthers, it was announced today that Baker Mayfield is going to be their starting quarterback. I got the Browns losing. What do you think? Yeah, I got Cleveland losing as well. All right, next up at the New York Jets. I know earlier when we talked about this, I had the Browns losing. I don't know about Joe Flacco, so I think that they can win this one. Uh, even if it's Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson coming back, I think that's the, the Jets are going to lose. Fair enough. All right, so right now we both have them at 1-1. One and one. All right, week three, they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I'm going to go Steelers, so I, I'm, I think they lose this one. Yeah, I do too. All right, week four, they got the Atlanta Falcons. I got Falcons. I mean, I got Browns in that one. Yeah, I got Browns as well. All right, week five, Los Angeles Chargers. I got Chargers. Chargers. Week six, New England Patriots. This is kind of a toss-up, but I think I'll still go Pats. Yeah, I got Pats. Week seven, Baltimore. I got Baltimore. Baltimore. Week eight, Cincinnati. I got Cincinnati. Fancy. Then they got a bye week nine. Week ten, they got the Dolphins. I think that they can sneak out a win against the Dolphins. I got the Dolphins. All right. Week eleven, they have the Buffalo Bills. I got Bills. I got Bills. And then Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got Bucks. Bucks. All right, so pretty much you got them at 2 and 8. I got them at 3. No, I'm sorry. You got them at uh, 2 and 9. I got them at 3 and 8. I'm not the most excited for this squad this year just because, I mean, I talked about it a bit last week. So I won't go into a tangent, but I just don't feel like the offensive weapons outside of Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper are necessarily there for them to be successful regardless of who their quarterback is. And I think that their defense is solid. I mean, Miles Garrett is great. I love Grant Delpit. I think he's going to have a big year. And Denzel Ward, I mean, they must see something in him. They gave him over $100 million, $1 million as a contract. But I'm just not sold on the Browns this year. And... I think next year will be after the pre I mean after off season where they can add more pieces that they'll be more of a threat but this year I'm not really seeing it regardless of if Deshaun Watson was playing more than just uh 6 games this season. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some training camp slash preseason injuries. And unfortunately, two key rookies have been knocked out of action, starting with uh, Carolina Panthers quarterback Matt Corral, who is going to be out for the year after sustaining a Liz Frank injury. 
which is unfortunate, but I don't think he was going to see much playing time anyway, but still sucks. And then uh, defensive end for the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau, is going to be out for the next three to four weeks, uh, sideline with a sprained MCL. His week one status is in question, but Ethan, you and I kind of talked about this. Typically when injuries start to happen, it's hard for them to stop. So if you are the uh, New York Giants, are you worried about Kayvon Thibodeau? Um, I'm going to say no, simply because, like, it was a freak injury. Like, I know I watched the play. Some people said it was dirty. It wasn't a dirty play. It was a simple cut block. Um, so I'm going, and he's also young in his career. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think it's worth too much fuss. Um, hopefully, he'll be able to come back and be better. Because, I mean, it's even if he has to miss the first game, it's a long season. He'll still have 16 other games that he can play and hopefully have an impact. So, I wouldn't stress about it too, too much. All right. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the South. This week, we will be breaking down the AFC and NFC South. So, Ethan, where do you want to start off at? AFC or NFC? NLC. All right, let's take a look at the Bucks, Saints, Panthers, and Falcons. In your opinion, who is the most underrated team in that division? That's hard, but I'm going to say the Panthers. I feel that. I'm going to say the Saints. I think everybody kind of talks about, like, most of the people are talking about their defense, and rightfully so, after getting Honey Badger, Marcus May, and just the other pieces they already had there. But offensively, I think that they have a chance to be a really good group. Uh, we all know Alvin Kamara is great. A lot hinges on Michael Thomas. But, I mean, Chris Olave was one of the best um, scorers in all of college football throughout his time in Ohio State. That's going to be huge because a lot of receivers that they had in the past really were not that great in that area. Their offensive line should still be solid. I'm interested to see how um, they replaced Teron Armstead with, oh, my gosh, I forgot dude's name. Oh, Trevor Penning who they drafted with their second first-round pick. But I think the Saints are going to be really solid. Maybe not in the stratosphere of a Super Bowl team, but I think that they are going to be one of the most competitive teams in the NFC this season. All right, who's the most overrated team to you? Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't feel like it's a really overrated team in that division. I mean, the obvious answer you could say is the books, yeah. but it's like when you think about it in the hierarchy of the NFL and everything that they have in Tampa Bay, I feel like their position is actually spot on. But uh, yeah, I don't have one. Yeah, I feel you. I don't think there's one in the division that's like grossly overrated. I said the Falcons not because anybody thinks that they're necessarily going to be good or great this year. I just think that people kind of put a little bit too much stock in their present roster. Yes, they did win seven games last year, but a lot of that came with Matt Ryan. I know Marcus, Marcus Mariota is coming, and he's hoping to etch a name for himself and show that he could still start. But, I mean, let's not act like their offensive line is great. Their receiving core still has a lot of questions. Like, I genuinely could see the Falcons being the worst team in the league this season. And But time will tell. But I just think that people are putting just a tiny bit too much stock in what they did last year, thinking that that means that they're on an upward trajectory. Because I don't really think that's the case. But, all right, let's talk about a fun one. Favorite players in the division. I think I've said this answer for the past three years that we've done this. But it's still Levante David and Devin White. 
two of my favorite linebackers in the league, especially Dev, LSU man. But yeah, I love I love those guys and I'm excited to see what they do with another year together. Oh, for me, my favorite players are a couple of D line. Well, you should know it's gonna be D linemen, but it's a couple guys. Uh, obviously, one of them is Grady, Grady Jerry. He's a like when he's gone, he's one of the best D tackles in the game. Um, Akeem Hicks, and I gotta throw it. I gotta throw Cam Cam Jordan. Like, I like him as a player, and I just like his personality. He seems like a fun dude. I feel you. All right, so next question. Who do you think has the most approved this year? Um, honestly, my answer is going to be a guy that probably won't get that much, re- like, recognition because of the team that he's on. But I'm going to say Julio Jones. Okay, I can dig it. Um, I'm going to go with another wide receiver, but I'm going to say Michael Thomas. Um, unfortunately, a hamstring I- injury has kind of kept him out of the preseason, which I wouldn't expect him to play that much anyway. But I think probably more so than any other position at wide receiver, either you're having a great year or you're being eclipsed by other guys. And people often forget just a few years ago, he set the record for receptions. He looked like Drew Brees' top target, was one of the best receivers in the league. However, injuries have kept him off the field for over a season, making it hard to remember just how impactful that he is. I know it's a different quarterback situation. The offense is going to be a bit different without Sean Payton there. But if Michael Thomas cannot put forth a great year, I think that this is probably one of his last chances to show why he was one of the top guys in his position. All right, breakout players. I'm going to Tampa, and I'm going to say Joe Tryon, outside linebacker. Last season, he saw a little bit of time as the team's first-round pick. But, I mean, when you're behind guys like JPP, it's hard to really crack the lineup. But now with JPP gone and their need for another outside linebacker to kind of compliment Shaq Barrett, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for him. Um, Todd Bowles, we all know, is a great defensive-minded coach. Got a lot out of his guys when he was the head coach with the Jets and has done the same as Tampa's D.C. I think that the sky's the limit for what Joe Tryon can be and possibly can make him the best edge rusher in Tampa. Oh, for me, my breakout player is also in Tampa, but it's on the offensive end. And it's kind of weird to say breakout player because he's he's been a good player for a while. But I'm going to say Kyle Rudolph. I think um, you pair him up with Tom. We both know how Tom loves his tight ends. And you don't have Gronk there anymore. I think Kyle's going to get a significant increase in targets than he's had while he was at Minnesota. So I got to go with Kyle Rudolph. All right, bet. What rookie are you most excited to watch this season? Um, Chris Olave. Yeah. We are actually in the same boat. I agree. I kind of talked about him a bit before. And I mean, Mention Michael Thomas, kind of a question mark with him. Jarvis Landry is great. We know what he is, but I think Chris Olave could provide a really nice boost to that offense. But all right, my bold prediction for the NFC South is that Jameis Winston asserts himself as a top 12 quarterback in this league and leads the Saints to the fifth seed. Close to winning the division, but I think the Bucks still pull it out. Is actually gonna come after the season, 
Well, I think actually no, I won't even say after. My bold prediction is this is Christian McCaffrey's last season in Carolina. Oh, word. Okay. All right. So fantasy booking. Where does he end up after this season? If you could see him on any team, where would it be? If I could see him on any team, I'm gonna say New England. Oh, ew, no! Why are you trying to give the pit? Why are you trying to give the Patriots good I'm not things? Trying to give, no, I'm not trying to give them anything. <sighs> but I just see that I could just see that being a a very Patriot move. Where like, let's say, and this is a hypothetical. Let's say. He gets another injury mid to late in the season where he doesn't finish out the rest of the season. And, like, Panthers fans just start to question him. And then this is the very type of thing that we see New England do. They just come in and they offer, like, a third and a fifth. And they get him. And he goes to New England and he balls out. Yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. I, As much as I don't want to see the Patriots get anything, I think that that would be one of the most perfect fits for him. Plus, they usually run a committee, and so because of that, it's not like they're going to have too much of a load on McCaffrey. That will allow him to do what he does best and preserve him. So I would hate to see it, but that makes a lot of sense. All right, so I got Bucks winning the division. What do you think? Yeah, I got Bucks. All right, let's take it to the AFC South where your Titans, Jags, Colts, and Texans reside. Starting off with the most underrated team, I'm going to throw the Jaguars a bone. I know that everybody's so caught up in the light of Trevor Lawrence and then the fact that they were terrible last year that people kind of are already counting out what the Jags are. But I think the Jags had a really solid offseason, even if they did spend a bit too much money um, on wide receivers. But, I mean, I like what they were able to do and bring it back bringing in Brandon Sheriff to replace replace Andrew Noel. Um, Andrew Evan Ingram is a guy, a tight end, who is really hoping to have a bounce-back year. Another year for Trevor Lawrence to kind of get more comfortable and better learn how to be an NFL quarterback. And most importantly, Urban Meyer is gone. Doug Peterson comes in, former Super Bowl winning coach. I think that things are going to become a lot more legitimate there than they were last year. So I think the Jags are a team to look at. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you with the Jags. I think, like you stated, they overpaid for some receivers, but they made some improvements at receiver. You're bringing back a healthy Travis Etienne with that James Robinson, so that could be a dynamic one-two punch at running back. You bring in a second year of Trevor Lawrence, a year where you suspect him to make a huge improvement. And like you, not only that, but you bring in a top talent on defense in the draft in um, Trevon Walker. So I think that they could be in position to make some noise in the AFC South. All right, who do you think is the most overrated team? Because I feel like we probably have the same answer. Uh, I'm going to say the – I want to say the Colts, but I'm actually – no, I am going to say the Colts. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think – once they got Matt Ryan, everybody thought, oh, this is the move that they need. They're going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. But realistically, I mean, you can change the quarterback, but that wide receiver crew does not leave much to be leaves much to be desired. I know they love Alec Pierce. They got out of Cincinnati, but I'm not expecting him to literally explode. Michael Pippen is a guy we've been waiting for him to kind of take that next step since he got in the league, and that has yet to happen. 
Honestly, you take Jonathan Taylor out of the equation, and I just don't love the Colts' offense. I think defensively they're going to be fine, but if I had to bank on their offense, I just I just don't see it. But speaking of Jonathan Taylor, he is my favorite player in that division. Loved him at Wisconsin. Was my favorite running back coming out of his respective draft. So, what about you? I know, I know, I think I know who you're going to say, but your favorite team is there. So I'm sure you got a. I'm sure you got some guys. Oh uh, yeah, Big Jeff. Obvious. King Henry, obvious. Um, a guy that I like that I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that I like is DeForest Buckner. I like DeForest uh, Buckner. Yeah, him. Um, who else? I actually like a lot of, I actually like a decent amount of people in this division. I like Darius Leonard. I like Darius um, Leonard too. I yeah. I'll say this. I would be lying if I said DeForest Buckner was my favorite player, like, in the division. But he's one of my favorite guys to play with in Madden. I love having DeForest Buckner on my D-line. Also, a close second is Yannick Ngakwe. I love him. He's my probably my second favorite player in that division. Yeah, yeah my first my first two would probably be Big Joe. Then can, actually, 1A Big Joe, 1B King Henry. Then... DeForest Buckner, then Darius Leonard, then Kevin Bayard. It's some pretty great ones. I think that the even though the AFC South gets kind of ragged on a bit, it's some really talented players in that division. But I kind of continuing on with that talent. What player do you think is in for the biggest prove it year? Oh, this is easy. Ryan Tanning you. I almost said Ryan Tannehill, but I'm happy you said it because that'll give me a reason not to. All right, I'm going to stay on the same team, though, and I'm going to say Traylon Burks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Traylon Burks is one of those guys, like, if he doesn't have a great rookie season, he's going to be out of the league. But so much was made about the team trading uh, trading away A.J. Brown that whoever you bring in to replace him, he's got to put up numbers. He's got to make it seem worth that trade, especially if A.J. Brown balls out with the Eagles. So, like I said, I'm not expecting perfection out of Traylon, but I feel like if he gets anything less than 1,000 yards but is healthy and about, let's say, seven, eight touchdowns, I think it's going to be a bit of a disappointment among Titans fans. All right, and then moving on to breakout players. Continuing on the conversation, uh, I'm sticking with wide receivers, and I'm going Nico Collins of the Houston Texans. It's absolutely tragic what happened with John Michi and his bout with leukemia. Definitely praying for him. But I think that this is going to open up some other opportunities for Texans wideouts. We know Brandon Cooks is the man, perennial 1,000-yard receiver. But another guy who kind of showed some flashes last year was Nico Collins. Davis Mills seems pretty confident in his ability and what he's going to be able to do and how he's going to help lead this team. And I think that Nico Collins is going to have to be a big part of that in order for them to have a lot of success. Uh, for me, I have two. One is a non-Titan. One is a Titan. The non-Titan is Trevor Lawrence. I think that everyone um, ragged on him for having such superior talent and being like a top QB prospect and then making it to the league and being in a lot of people's minds so far. Mm-hmm. But I think that people also have to, especially when you look at other top QB prospects coming in and setting the NFL on fire, like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, 
but I think a lot of people also have to realize that like it has been really great quarterbacks that have struggled in their first year. In fact, your favorite quarterback of all time, Peyton Manning, yeah. had a terrible Rookie, yeah. first year. Yeah. And he went on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great all-time. This this left to be seen. But I think he's going to have a really, really good second year. So I think he's going to have a breakout season. And another guy, um, the Titan that I refer to, I want to say David Long. Um, he's a linebacker that, because of the way that Mike Variable coaches and likes to coach, he was a young guy that primarily got a lot of his time on special teams, but progressively throughout the year, because of injuries to Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown, like he got more time on the field. And when he was on the field, you saw it. Like he would make splash plays. He's a smaller linebacker, but he's lightning fast and he hits people hard. And I think he's going to be. Um, a great addition now that he's starting to that front seven because now you're going to have a guy that he like we know what our front our line can do we've just had questions at linebacker and now I think he's going to fortify that linebacker position in Tennessee yeah I actually like David Long a lot I mean Rashawn Evans coming out of Alabama was supposed to be a guy who was really going to take over, but unfortunately that never really happened. I mean, at times last year, David Long looked better than he did, so I like that pick a lot, as well as the Trevor Lawrence one. Alright, what rookie are you, you got your eyes on this year? Rookie? Uh, hmm. Obviously, I'm going to go with Trevor Walker because, like, around, everything centered around him being a top pick, like he kind of came out of nowhere, and just how, like he was like a splash pick. So I'm gonna go with Trayvon Walker. I feel you. I am going to go with his teammate Devin Lloyd. I mean, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know I love linebackers. They're probably my favorite position in all of football, and I think Devin Lloyd was one of the top linebackers of this past year's class. I mean, he's been getting rave reviews from his team during camp. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to participate in the preseason, but I think he's due for a huge role in that Jags defense. I mean, just watching what he did in Utah, he got picks, he got sacks, was a great tackler, was really good in coverage, and I think that the Jags really need that presence in the middle of their defense, especially with the loss of Miles Jack. So I'm expecting big things out of him. But my bold prediction for the South is that the champion for of the division comes down to week 18 as no team has more than 10 wins. Hmm. Uh, my bold prediction is I actually like that because I definitely think that this division is going to be at least the top three teams are going to be more competitive than people think. But um, my bold prediction is can't hear come back for another 2K. You know what? I wouldn't I, – I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that at all. All right, so who wins the division? I know I kind of crapped on their offense, and I still meant what I said. But I think the Colts can pull it out with a 9-8 and eight record. I think their defense can help them get it done. Uh, I'm right with my squad. 
I can dig it. I can dig it. All right, let's go ahead and talk preseason week three, final week of the preseason. Um, Ethan, I just sent you the schedule for this upcoming week. But for me, my uh, preseason game of the week is going to be the Los Angeles Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And this really just comes down to, one, I really like um, Bryce Perkins, the backup quarterback for the Rams. He's been a lot of fun to watch. And in addition to that, I mean, they're a team, as we all know, who really banks on mid to late round picks to have impacts for them. And I think that this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of guys who didn't get a lot of draft attention or who aren't necessarily household names to really cement themselves with roster spots on a team. For example, to Kobe Durant, a guy who I really like coming out. I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do after getting a pick last year. And then looking at the Bengals, I mean, they really could care less about the preseason. It's not like any of the stars are playing. But I've been having a good time watching Daxton Hill. It's no telling how long Jesse Bates is going to be out of action. So I'm interested to see how he's going to be able to take over a bigger role, especially with the regular season just being a couple weeks away. Uh, for me, I think my game of the week is just going to be it's going to be the Packers versus the Chiefs. We've seen that every preseason game so far that the Chiefs have started, Patrick Mahomes, and it hasn't been a drop-off from the offensive standpoint. And granted, I know a lot of it comes from the fact that they played a lot of twos, but I think this is also going to translate against the ones. And I just think that this is an interesting um, game to look at because you're going to look at the backup quarterback situation for the Packers with Jordan Love and what's that going to look like. And he's shown flashes in the preseason, but this has been the thing with him. He's always shown flashes. How is he gonna is he gonna like finally have one like good preseason game where he puts everything together? Yep, feel you on that. All right, let's go ahead, move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. Let's go ahead and talk linebacker Roquan Smith. Last week, you and I were talking about his trade request and some teams that would be a solid fit. However, it seems like for the time being, the Bears are still in the league. Uh, he announced earlier that he was going to be returning to the team and their practices for the first time. And instead of holding out while he seeks a trade, he will remain with the team and play out the rest of his contract and saying, this is the last year of my deal and I'm going to bet on myself as I've always done. So believable or buffoonery, Roquan Smith is making the right move by playing out the last year of his contract. Um, I'm gonna say believable. I think that he's the type of guy his production has proved himself. He hasn't really had that many injuries. So I think he's making the right decision betting on himself. I'll say believable as well, especially because it seems like the Bears are not in a position or a rush to really trade you. But let's say you're balling out first prior to the trade deadline. You're looking like one of the best guys in the league. They're going to get more calls, especially because they know that you're going to leave. So it's better to get something instead of nothing if they were to let him walk in free agency. So I like Roquan. I think he's going to ball out. So I think that he's making the right move as well. Uh, keeping things in the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers had some stern words for the Packers receivers at this year's training camp where he said, the young guys, especially young receivers, we've got to be way more consistent. A lot of drops, a lot of ba bad route decisions, running the wrong route. We've got to get better in that area. That's some pretty troubling words, especially because everybody knows that the Packers receiving core is coming into this year with a whole lot of questions. So, believable or buffoonery, the Packers' young wideouts will cost them this season. 
I'm gonna say believe. I'm not. Uh, I say believable simply because I think it's gonna take them a nice amount of time to to transition and figure it out. And I don't think it's gonna hinder their um, overall passing game because you still have some decent pieces with Alan Lazard and Robert Tony. But I definitely could see them having like a crucial miscue on a critical down at some point this season. They might bite them in the foot. Yeah, I'll say believable as well. Um, I think that one of the things that makes Aaron Rodgers so great and his relationships with Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams in the past is just they have that unspoken chemistry. They know what the other is going to do. And then when you're bringing in so many young guys and new faces, it's going to take time to develop that. So I think I won't say I think all year they're going to wind up costing the games, but I think early on could lead to some turnovers or some bad reads, uh, especially within the first few weeks of the season. But I think they'll get it together as the year goes on. All right, last question. We all remember Tom Brady's free agency. Everybody wondering where is Tom Brady going to go after spending so many years with the New England Patriots? Of course, as we all know, it wound up being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl. Everything seems great. But another team has is come out was in the running, which is the Las Vegas Raiders. Dana White of UFC said that Tom Brady and the to the Raiders was a done deal until former head coach John Gruden blew it up. Uh, Dana White came out and said that Tom Brady was going to come to the Raiders and bring Rob Gronkowski. Tom was actually looking at houses in the area before John Gruden decided he did not want Grady and blew up the deal, which was also seemingly confirmed by Gr Rob Gronkowski. So looking back on it, believable or buffoonery, John Gruden made the right move by not bringing in Brady and Gronk. It's hard to say because I'm going to say buffoonery because Brady and Grunt won a title the first year they went to Tampa. I don't think they would have won a title the first year with Oakland because I think that the other pieces around them on offense needed some uh, needed some reinforcement. But I definitely would never say bringing in Brady and Grunt is a bad idea. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, looking back, I think that it's it's weird because I know that I understand Derek Carr and wanting to build around him and having faith in him. I get that. But if I'm the Raiders, I I think I'd still go the Tom Brady route, especially if you're you feel like your team's in a position to win now. I would go the Tom Brady route. But I think in the terms of Brady and Gronk, like you said, I don't think that they would have won a Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that they want to win a Super Bowl the first year in Vegas. However, doing it in Tampa, who I feel like has a better roster comparatively, I think that it really worked out in their favor. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, where it's some interesting thing to talk about, more specifically with your Memphis Grizzlies. As we get closer to the season, it seems like more teams are joining the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Um, for example, the Atlanta Hawks offered John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and a draft pick for Kevin Durant 
unsurprisingly, the Nets have not seemed to take them up on that offer. But the Grizzlies have also inquired about Kevin Durant and speaking to the Nets. So just kind of talking about how you feel about these new two teams coming into the mix. And if you had to pick, where does KD fit better, in Bluff City or in Hotlanta? To answer where he fits better, I'm going to say Atlanta. Because Memphis, I'm sorry, Memphis has a, like, Memphis loves everyone. But we also are tough on people. Yeah. We are known for, like, in the sense of, like, being extremely tough, like a, um, a Philly or a New York. But, like, when, when Memphis don't like you, you will know, and we don't like KD anyway. Um, and I just think that they have such a like tight woven culture on the Grizzlies that to me it just doesn't make sense to get KD go for KD. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially because comparatively, I feel like who would you give up if you are Memphis? Because Jaw's not going anywhere. And I feel like your next best player is Triple J, and I don't think they would want to include him in a trade package. But then again, Desmond Bain has been really good for you guys. Dylan Brooks has a role. Tyus Jones has a role. Steven Adams has a role, etc. But if you look at the Hawks, I feel like what they can give right now means more and is more proven than what the Grizzlies could give. And so if I'm the Nets, I think I'd probably take Atlanta more seriously. But I think it really just goes back to what you said about just the Grizzlies group is so tightly woven. And I think everybody knows Kevin Durant is a terrific player. Nobody disputes that. But it's like I don't I don't think he would fit the culture. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think he would necessarily fit what the Grizzlies are trying to build. Like on paper, sure, it sounds great that a young Grizzlies team gets Kevin Durant. But and just – the feel of this Memphis Grizzlies team, I don't think Kevin Durant embodies that. I think that I just don't think he has the swagger for it. No offense to him. It's just it's different when you're in Memphis and I don't think he has that mentality to do it. No disrespect to him, but I just, I just don't think it will work. But alright, let's go ahead and look at the NBA schedule. It was announced last week so let's just break down a few things we already talked about the christmas game so we're not going to do that again but let's look at opening week here are the first few games of the year the season opens october 18th with first the 76ers taking on the boston celtics uh los angeles lakers taking on the warriors then wednesday october 19th the knicks take on the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks take on the Phoenix Suns. Then on the 20th, the Bucks take on the 76ers, Clippers take on Lakers. And then finally, October 21st, the Heat take on the Celtics, and then the Nuggets take on the Warriors. I know I threw a lot of games at you right there, but in your opinion, which opening week game are you most excited for? Uh, outside of... The Grizzlies and the Knicks. Mm, I'll probably say Lakers Warriors. That's fair. Um, I would say Lakers Clippers. I know, and it's not necessarily because I think that it's going to be just a tremendous game, but maybe 
fingers crossed, this will be the first time we've seen Paul, George, and Kawhi Leonard on the same court in over a year. And I'm excited to see what that duo is going to be able to do, more specifically Ka Kawhi Leonard. Because we all know how great Kawhi is when he's healthy, but the problem is he just has not been able to stay healthy. Then you factor in John Wall, who has been sitting out, making mad money, but sitting on the bench. I'm interested to see how he fits into the dynamic of things. Because I think if the, they can get those trio of guys to not only play up to their standard, but do it and stay healthy, I think the Clippers can definitely be a team to watch this year. But right, let's go ahead and move on to the MLK games. That is uh, the Boston Celtics versus the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Miami Heat versus the Atlanta Hawks, Phoenix Suns versus the Memphis Grizzlies, Houston Rockets versus the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't know how the Rockets got a game, but I would easily go Suns and Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, that's the only, in my opinion, that's the only MLK game that matters. And I mean, a couple of years, not not this past season, but the season before, there was actually a really uh, competitive MLK game that was in Memphis. So I got to go with Suns and Grizzlies. Was that the Pelicans game? No, that was Suns. Okay. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Home. That was the Suns. Because I remember yeah. going to something. Okay, bet. Yeah, my actual first NBA game was the Lakers versus Grizzlies MLK game. And the Grizzlies end up winning that. And then the second time I saw the Lakers there, they lost. So maybe I'm just bad luck for the Lakers in Memphis. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'd have to go Memphis too. All right, and now the league has announced that it has a new rival week where between January 24th and 28th, it will be teams with either long-standing rivalries or players with respective rivalries. Ethan, I sent you the list. Um, but I'm going to run through it as well. Lakers versus Clippers, Celtics versus Heat. Uh, Nets vs. Sixers, Warriors vs. Grizzlies, Nuggets vs. Sixers, Nets vs. Knicks, Hornets vs. Bulls, Grizzlies vs. Wolves, Raptors vs. Warriors, Mavs vs. Suns, and Lakers vs. Celtics. Which rival week are you most interested in? I mean, I list a couple. The Celtics and the Heat, the Warriors and the Grizzlies, the Warriors and... The um, Grizzlies and the Wolves, the Mavs versus the Suns, and yeah, that's it. Uh, for me, it's always going to be Lakers versus Celtics. That's always a long-standing rivalry, even though it hasn't felt like a rivalry in a while. But, I mean, it's still mad competitive. And then another uh, one to watch, of course, is Celtics versus Heat. Had a terrific Eastern Conference final. I'm excited to see Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum go head-to-head, -head, especially if the Heat are able to pull off a trade for one player we will get to a bit later. And then, of course, Grizzlies versus Wolves. I mean, that's going to be a big one. I'm, I'm very excited for those matchups because they were a, a whole lot of fun to watch. But, all right, let's make some bold predictions for this season. So, Ethan, you can go ahead and kick us off. We got three bold predictions each. What's your first one? I would love that. I think everybody in Memphis will love it. All right, three for me is I'm going to show love to another young player, and that's DeAndre Aiden, who I believe has a big year and earns Defensive Player of the Year honors. Uh, Actually, it's funny because my, my other ball prediction was Bam actually wins Defensive Player of the Year. I can see that one, too. All right, my number two. Even with the latest additions, the Timberwolves finished no higher than the eighth seed. Don't get me wrong. Rudy Gobert is great. Whatever. We know about Cat. And is the man. D'Lo is very good. However, 
I'm just I'm not drinking the Timberwolves Kool-Aid. I don't think that all these new pieces are going to work together as well as they would have hoped, which I think is going to end up costing them some games, especially because I still think they're going to try to run the offense through Cat, which I think is a bad move and is the better way to go. But all right, what is your boldest prediction for the 2022-2023 NBA season? This is Doc Rivers last year as a coach in the Philadelphia area. You know what? I could believe it. I think that it's it's weird because I've never seen an NBA head coach who wins one ring and everybody just puts championship or bust by them every year. And I've already expressed my thoughts on the 76ers, so I don't think if they don't win a ring this year, I could see him being out the door. All right, my boldest prediction is Russell Westbrook has a bounce back year, finishes top five in MVP voting, but he does not do it in L.A. Don't ask me where he ends up, but I just – he's not going to be a Laker, but I think he has a terrific year. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. Let's take things to Indiana where their general manager, Chad Buchanan, had this to say on guard Tyrese Halliburton. We're going to build our team around him. We see him as hopefully being the next Reggie Miller. Those are some pretty big words to say. So, believable or buffoonery, Tyrese Halliburton will be the next – Pacer star. I'm gonna say believable. I mean, he showed flashes in Sacramento to being a lead talent. I think, and it honestly, just threw it, it threw everybody by surprise that they traded yeah. traded him. So I, I can see it being true. Yeah, I'm gonna say believable as well. I think that typically, I mean, let's be honest the. The Pacers aren't pulling in really any big free agents. The closest they got was potentially getting DeAndre Aiden, but that didn't work out. So I think that that's going to create opportunities for them to use the guys on their roster. And as you mentioned, Tyrese Halliburton has shown some flashes, so I could definitely see it being him. All right, next up, um, following the announcement of LeBron James signing a $97 million two-year extension with the team, uh, it also came out by Mark Stein that the Lakers are now willing to include their 2027 and 2029 first round picks in a Kyrie Irving trade however it seems that the Nets are no longer interested in trading Kyrie Irving for future assets and want win now players in return so believable or buffoonery including late first round picks will help the Lakers land Kyrie Irving I think it will simply because I think uh I think that whenever you're able to add those type of assets, that always entices people to think about the possibilities. And I mean, you could throw in a package of Russ and maybe a player, I don't know exactly which one, in those first round picks, and you might be able to get Kyrie. I'm going to say buffoonery because, yes, of course, Russ is like the first name you would throw in there. And then you get those two picks, but then you look at the rest of the roster and it's like, who else would you send that's enticing? And I don't think the Lakers right now have the roster to do that. Like, it's very top-heavy. You look at, of course, A.B., Russ, and LeBron, and then it's just a big drop-off. So I'm going to say buffoonery because I feel like, I know Kyrie Irving has not gathered a lot of trade talk from almost any other team in the league, but I feel like even in that case, I'd rather keep him as opposed to what the Lakers would try to give. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another team in the East trying to make a trade, and that is 
the New York Knicks. After several weeks of no conversation, the Knicks have recently re-engaged in trade talks centered around Donovan Mitchell. However, they still feel that the Utah Jazz are asking for too much. Reportedly, the Knicks are turned off by Danny Ainge's wants of seven first-round picks and players for Donovan Mitchell. While it seems like there's a lot of smoke there in that situation, let's be honest, if the Jazz are still wanting to go through a rebuild, they're going to make it happen some kind of way. So believable or buffoonery, the Knicks are inevitably going to land Donovan Mitchell. No. I think I think Donovan Mitchell is going to end up... Uh, I really think he's going to end up in Miami. I think so, too. But it's just, it's funny because it's so much hoopla and talk that we hear from New York. But it's like, honestly, if it's not Miami or if it's not New York, I don't know who it'd be. Because, like, there hasn't really seemed to be any other teams that have seriously tried to go after him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I'm in agreement with you on the Miami tip. All right, last piece before we close out the show. Jason Tatum sat down with uh, Bleach Report's Taylor Rooks for an interview and opened up about this past year's finals where he said that he played with somewhat of a fracture for two months. Reportedly, he said that he had a chip bone in his wrist during the playoffs. So one may think if the Jason Tay was healthy, maybe the finals would have turned out differently. Is that believable or buffoonery? Buffoonery. I think that it would have been a more entertaining NBA finals, but I think that like I don't believe I don't believe in destiny, but I feel like the Warriors were just destined to win that championship this year. Yeah, I'll say buffoonery as well. I think that the Warriors were gonna win, even if he was healthy. I just feel like they had the Warriors had a better overall squad. I mean, they played better. Like even if Jason Tatum was healthy, that's not gonna stop all the turnovers. That's not gonna stop the team from being able to score blow for blow with them so that being said i'm calling buffoonery as well but that is our show thank you guys so much for listening as always please be sure to check out the export.net i repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow expert writers previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our youtube channel inside out the export ethan anything you want to say before we close out this bad boy uh go titans go tigers uh and Please don't bring Kevin Durant to me. Yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, for me, you know, go Ravens. You know, looking good in the preseason. I'm. Oh yeah, forget what I just said. I will probably be starting the Isaiah Likely fan club. I'm. I love him, and if I could go back. Tyler Linderbaum is great, but he is my now AFC North rookie to watch. I know that everybody's harping on Baltimore and what we didn't do at receiver, which is totally fair, but I love Isaiah Likely. And I know Marcus and Mark Andrews is our guy, but I think Isaiah Likely is going to ball out. So definitely be on the lookout for him. Also, fantasy football uh, fans, be on the lookout for our fantasy football guide. It was posted to the website last week. Be sure to look at that. Check it out. Um, and hopefully we can help y'all win some fantasy football championships as long as you're not in the same league as us. But, uh, yeah, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.